It's time to get your geek on. I'm Tim Robertson with Chad Perry and special guest this week, David Cohen, one of the original geekiest. David who? David Cohen. Bring your geek out of the closet. Embrace your geekhood. Let your swelling geekhood engulf your hand. Stroke your... No, that's No, that stops here. Okay, geekiest show over 35. You don't like that? Yeah, it works. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So how you doing, David? I'm doing pretty good. So all the way from, uh, where are you again? Manchester, <laughs> UK. I, I'm some tiny little island out in the middle of the ocean, but you know what? I have no oil lapping on my shores, so I'm better off than you. No, well, we, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> we live in a peninsula. Yeah. Actually, our well, state that's... is two peninsulas, but, have, you know. haven't, haven't BP got any drilling going on in the lake there? Probably. Oh, no, they tried to. We put a stop to that already. <laughs> yeah. We said, no, we, we like expensive gasoline. You, you see, British Petroleum, we are all about delivering the oil right to your doorstep. We <laughs> <laughs> cut out the middleman. Uh, is that a big thing in, in uh, the UK, everyone talking about BP and what you guys have done to our shores? Like, yeah, yeah, you like, like to spill some tea, huh? We got something for you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's a fairly big thing. I think people are more concerned about how it's being portrayed in the American media and whether whether BP is getting getting a fair deal rather than necessarily um, the I mean I, everyone accepts the responsibility for what for what happened but I think people are starting to worry now particularly with this latest thing saying that they um, you know kind of got terrorists out of jail and, and BP doesn't have that sort of influence so um, it's interesting to see how these things these things are now being spun. But I, I, th- I think we've all, we've all been waiting excitedly for the day when they say, "Well, we've actually sealed the thing up and shut it down," which obviously is what everybody wants. So, which they're pretty close to doing right now. The cap is working, and so now it's just a matter of getting the relief wells drilled. And once that's done, and hopefully done successfully, they should have everything back under control again. At least, Absolutely. at least at the the leaking site. I don't think a lot of the vitriol against BP is necessarily directed at England per se. And Noah's, nor is most Americans mad at, you know, the average person from England. Um, I think it could have been a, a domestic oil company. It could have been a company from Saudi Arabia. It could have – it doesn't matter. People were yeah. just upset because it's a big oil company. I don't think the, the origin is necessarily important. The only problem for you guys is <laughs> they put it right in the freaking name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, in fact, it's actually not called British Petroleum anymore. It is now just called BP. Um, but no, you can't get away from the fact that it's, it's a primarily a British company. And, um, you know, that that's kind of what they do. This is what they do. They, go, they make most of their money going around drilling wells. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, when you do that, every now and again, something goes wrong. And uh, when you're in deep water and you're kind of pushing the edge, then it goes wrong quite spectacularly. Clearly, they weren't really prepared for dealing with, with something like this. So it's been a bit of a wake-up call for everyone, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. Most people assume that a big oil company would be able to stop an oil spill. They'd have contingencies and emergency plans. And if they did, didn't work. So... Yeah. Anyways, let's get off serious stuff and talk about the fluffy stuff in life, yeah. the geekiest stuff. And that's what we're all about. Chad, yes. you and I last week went and saw Star Wars in concert, something we were looking forward to for like two months. Yeah. What would you think? I still thought it was a great experience. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I had some opinions on the second half after the uh, after the uh, intermission. intermission. Yeah. yeah. So, David, I don't know if you looked online to see what Star Wars in concert was all about, but it's basically 
a, a live performance of a, a lot of the Star Wars music. Um, and above them is this huge screen, HD quality, yeah. uh, showing clips from the movies as you're listening to the music, which I think is a really cool idea. But in hindsight, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed <laughs> a lot of it. And you forget that you're listening to live music. Mm-hmm. I wish they would have had more shots of the people playing the music as you know during the show. Right. Um, but honestly, when I first left, I thought, yeah, that was really cool. I'm glad I went. But what are we, like a week removed from that now? Right. I don't know. It was a little cheesy. You know, Anthony did Daniels they, was just a little bit over the top with it. Did yeah. they did they leave the dialogue in the clips that they were showing? Very, very rarely. It? Every now and then you would hear some dialogue. Um, and it's broken up into two parts. The first part is the prequels, and the second part is the original trilogy. And they would put a little bit of footage from both sides on the other side. So it was kind of disjointed. What was really cool, though, is when they started – they started exactly like they did in the movie, the THQ theme, the 20th Century yeah. Fox theme, and mm-hmm. then the Star Wars theme. And so that was yeah. cool, but I don't know. It, they tried to make it seem like a kind of a storyteller's night, and Luke Skywalker this, and yeah. Anakin Skywalker that, and does anybody want to see how they won the war? It's like, dude, shut up. So you, if you have Anthony Daniels doing that, then it's going to sound like that scene in Return of the Jedi when he's telling the story of all their adventures to the Ewoks. A little bit. It was a little bit of that. And I would have preferred more of a history lesson of the music of Star Wars and how it fit in a scene. Right. You know, him reading some notes from John Williams, maybe, or George Lucas commentary or mm-hmm. something like that, rather than basically a an hour. Of the quad, of the, the the two trilogies. Yeah, and it was just like, eh. And what was the? Uh, what kind of audience was there? Was it was it made mainly people like no, themselves, kind no, of fans, it, or was there a lot of kids? Or? There was a lot of kids, yeah, more than was, I was expecting. Yeah, there were people in their sixties, seventies, all the way down to you know five and six and four year olds. Now, if so. you guys want to see pictures that Chad and I took while at the event, I'm going to post them at geekyashowever.com as part of show number thirty five. So go up there and you can see the photos. We've got some really fun photos. I don't know. Now, are, are your friends of mine on Facebook, David? Did you see some of the photos that I posted there? No, I don't go to Facebook that often, but I shall make an exception in this case. <laughs> it, 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 it's kind of neat. Um, it's just one of those things that you just don't see every day. I'm pulling it up right now so Chad and I can kind of uh, uh, go through it. Star Wars in concert. Um, I've got one of Mr. Magoo. Oh, I'm sorry. That's you, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's something about that picture. You kind of look like Mr. Magoo there. What I'm going to do, David, I'm going to uh, send you a link right now. And so you can kind of follow along with us uh, on my Facebook page. But, of, of course, I'm going to put these up on Geekiest Show Ever. So after the fact, after you guys get home or get to work, wherever you're going after you listen to the show, you can go to geekiestshowever.com and see the pictures, too. You got it? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Um, the very first picture, uh, you could see Chewbacca in this round tube thing. That was actually taken through glass with the iPhone 4. So that one actually came out pretty good mm-hmm. for going through glass. Yeah, doesn't Guy still get bothered by being behind the glass like that? No, he doesn't. <laughs> He's used to it now. Second photo is kind of the same. You see a little bit more of the exhibition. I guess we ought to explain, Chad, it wasn't just a concert. No. No, they had a very nice exhibition uh, set up on both floors of the uh, Van Andel Arena. The first uh, floor was primarily just costumes. Yep. 
And the uh, second floor was, I think, the fun part. Which was the props and, of course, the uh, the 501st and their costumes, taking pictures of the folks. So. Yep. So if you go to uh, – I'm kind of – I'm looking at Chewbacca by himself now, David. Yeah. The, the one after Mr. Magoo. Okay. Uh, the one after that's me and Darth Vader. Now, that one didn't come out very good. Uh, I had this guy running the iPhone 4 that didn't know how to focus it. Yeah, that was me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a, a really good picture of C-3PO where you can really see the wires. Now, in person, man, that is just – it's beautiful. Yeah. It's ju- it just almost it's a glows. fantastic costume, yeah. It is. The thing is, is that you never – in the movies, you kind of remember him like that. But, in fact, he was rarely ever that clean. That's true. He was always something dirty, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. Now, the Ewoks, on the other hand, the the next picture that we're looking at, they look horrible in person. I mean, it, they look like stupid big teddy bears. Yeah. I'm expecting then a teddy bear or Care Bear movie soundtrack to break out at any time. Another one of C-3PO. And that one, he actually kind of looks lifelike, like he's glancing at us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Chad. Master Ploku. Master Ploku. That is an awesome costume in person. Yeah, it is. The level of detail is just Really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what the hell that is. I can't remember. That's another Jedi master. Some I Jedi, his name now. Yeah, yeah, with tubes coming out of his head. Some Imperial guards. Those look even better in person too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's a Nemodian. I, I don't even remember the blue ones from the movies. He was in the prequels. Yeah. Right. They were the Senate okay. guard. Uh, some stormtroopers hanging around the Grand Rapids Sports Hall of Fame wall. That's kind of funny looking because it's just – it's a very casual type of, you know, and there's some stormtroopers. The, the guy in the, uh, in the speeder trooper uh, yep. uniform, I wonder if he turned up on the motorbike. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I like the next picture a lot. It's Chad with the stormtroopers. <laughs> That's a pretty good yeah. one. They were they yeah, were good you, sports. The funny part is we were one of the first people in. so And we kind of booked around real quick looking at stuff. So we got up to where all the people were in the costumes way before most people. So we got to see and got pictures with before the huge crowds. Yeah. So that was nice. A uh, nice couple shots of Yoda, a speeder bike helmet. Uh, some of the actual weapons that they had in the game. Or in the game. In the, in the movie. In the movie. Yeah, the blasters. The blasters. Uh, I'm with Darth Vader. I don't know if you're there yet, David. Yeah. I'm kind of looking up at Darth Vader like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Now, the funny part of what that one is, we, we had sent it to my daughter. And, why? Well, technically, I sent it to my wife on her iPhone as a text message. You know how you can do pictures? Yeah. And she showed it to my seven-year-old daughter, and her eyes got huge and looked at Julie and said, Darth Vader is real. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, Chad with some Jedi. You know, I'm, I'm sure this is making some great podcasting moments. Oh, yeah. We look at pictures and they listen. Yeah. Boy, that's a lot of fun. Let's <laughs> jump out of here and uh, jump. Well, we'll finish up this, though. Um, would you suggest, if you're a big Star Wars fan, Chad, that someone go and partake? Yeah, I think Maybe I still the $30 would. tickets. <laughs> but yes, I would go with the $30 tickets because you really don't miss anything. I mean, the screen is large enough that, you know, no matter where you sit in the in the uh, uh, show Audio. hall, you're yeah. going to see it. So. And, you know, one of my problems was the focus wasn't on the people playing the music, which I actually was very interested in watching. Mm-hmm. While you're sitting there, the focus is on this massive screen. And it's like, you know, I've, I've, I've seen the movies a thousand times. I don't need to sit here. Right. 
watching a condensed version kind of chopped together. Some of it's really good editing, some of it's really bad. Um, I want to concentrate on the music. I want to learn more about the music. Give mm-hmm. me something. And they just didn't do that. Right. $30 for a, um, what do you call them, though? Nosebleed seat. No, 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 no. $30 for the magazine thing. The oh, the program. Uh, the program. $30. Never buy, never buy the program. Yeah, well, it looked nice. Don't get me wrong. But it was a very nice program, day. but yeah. uh, 30 bucks worth, I know. You look at it while you're there, maybe the next day, but that's about it. It's just not worth 30 bucks. But it was fun to go to. I, I don't regret going. I liked it. I had a mm-hmm. good time. I was glad that you went with me, Chad. Oh, it's a good call. So what's been going on in, uh, for those who are new to the show, I should say, David Cohen, you are one of the original hosts of Geekiest Show Ever. It was you, me. Now, do you remember the third person? Very first episode. Uh, it was Mark Rudd. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I do See, remember. Guy Searle's not an original member right. of Geekiest Show. Mark Rudd was. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we started this show because of all the stuff that we would talk about outside of the Mac stuff while we were doing the MyMac podcast. And uh, it's kind of grown and changed a little bit, but it's still just us talking about, you know, geeky stuff. So yep. I'm real glad that you joined us this week, man. Well, when I left you, I was the but the learner, but now I am the master. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, of course, this is an open invitation. Anytime you want to be on the show and have the opportunity to, David, just let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you finally played Crackdown. We talked about video games, 360, which ones you should get on a show a long, long time ago. A long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I said Crackdown was one you have to get for the Xbox 360. And what happened is, is, uh, for anybody who remembers when I used to talk about my Xbox 360, I don't buy new games. I always go to the second-hand shops and buy old games because I figure I've come to the Xbox 360 party fairly late in the day. And there's a whole library of decent games that um, everyone else has played to death and I've never looked at. So I deliberately go out and buy the old games. So and I the publishers are, uh, are happy about it, too. Oh, yeah, they're thrilled. They are, <laughs> they are so excited. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, very unhappy about some of the moves I'm hearing in, in the publishing industry for that. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, I, so I picked up a couple of Crackdown. God, it was cheap. It was, it was like a fiver. I mean, it was yeah. nothing. Did you yeah. get your $5 it, worth out of it? I, I, well, I tell you, I played the thing right through to, to the end. Yeah. Um, it sat on my shelf for a while until I got around to it. Um, I got, I did, somebody did buy me the Batman game um, over Christmas. Arkham Asylum. A, yeah, and, that, and uh, that was the last one I played. And then I had a bit of a gap, and I came to Crackdown, and, yeah, it just kind of grabbed me right from the beginning. What a great game. Some flaws, I must say. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I never, I mean... I, I tried driving a car once or twice. I thought I'm never doing that again. <laughs> oh, well, especially once you get enough agility orbs and stuff. Exactly. The yeah, cars are retarded. More... I could run faster than the cars are driving. Exactly. And that was it. I started doing some of the car races on foot. And, yeah, uh, and win. <laughs> so, so the idea with Crackdown is that you're this uh, genetically altered agent and the, the city's full of criminals and you have to take out all the um, the henchmen before you can get to the, the, the gang kingpin because if you don't do that then it's impossible to kill the kingpin because he's got all his guards and all, all his supplies and all this sort of thing uh, and as you go around the city you, you as you kill people and as you pick up these orbs that you find around then your skills increase and they have explosives and agility and now strength. these orbs are strategically placed on different buildings or bridges yeah. some of them are hidden and to be quite honest, now I'm on Crackdown 2 right now, and I'm alternating between that and another game. We'll get to that in a second. But for me, Crackdown was all about the orb hunt. 
Yeah. Uh, that was the fun part for me. How can I get from point A to point B to get that orb? Because it's just a little bit higher than I could jump with my current skill set. But if I jump on that building and go over to that one and get up on that one, and then I could jump and I could probably just make the ledge and I'll get that stupid orb. Mm-hmm. That's what the game was for me. And I loved it. It was challenging. It was fun. And it was the only game to this day, honestly, and this includes even like GTA 4, um, that when I was high up on a building and I had my character look over, I was like, whoa. <laughs> you actually got yeah, vertigo? When you, yeah. When you, and when you throw yourself off a building, going for another building, you're not sure, really sure if you're going to quite make it. Yeah, you make this little noise. Grabbing on the edge. Yeah. Or if you, if you, if you, you need to get away because you're being attacked by a whole load of guys and you just throw yourself up a building and start climbing up, the feeling of being able to do that. I, I've, I, I was playing the game and... <laughs> few days later, I was in a building, and I started looking around. I'm like, <laughs> if I had the powers in Crackdown, I could jump there, there, and there and get up to the top without having to take the elevator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It's funny, though, when you go from one building to another one, and you're just, I don't know if he's going to make it. All people who's played Crackdown makes this noise. Yeah. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> or if you don't make it, you're like, oh, damn it. Yeah. I don't have to climb Absolutely. up there again. And, and the gunplay in it is great as well. Lots of different weapons, lots of different. Especially um, when you get places. that homing rocket. Oh, Homing rocket. Yeah. Oh, that's just the best because you jump up and you shoot it down and it locks on a target and it just blows him up. And the little body is pinwheeling in the air and you lock onto him again and shoot him again while he's in midair. Doing a somersault and you blow him up again. Oh, that's so much yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a great game. A really great game. I really enjoyed it. And, and I thought very inventive. Um, really At its time, catch. it was there was nothing quite like it. And when yeah. we say sandbox game, this is a true sandbox. You can go right after the, the main villain right at the very beginning of the game. You ain't going to do it. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to succeed. But you can. And you can go after the, any of the henchmen that you want. There's three gangs. And there's yeah. three, basically three islands to this huge metropolitan area connected by bridges and water. And you could take it in any order you want. And I, and I really like that where there was no strict, okay, you have to do this and now you're trapped in this alley and the game designers only want you to go down this alley this certain mm-hmm. way and you have to take – they always <laughs> pop out at the certain time over here and – if there's you, none of if that. You, if you get close to any of the guys' hideouts, then immediately the game tells you who they are, where they sit in the organization, what their specialities are, and then you can make a decision about when you want to go for them or not. Yep. Um, and, and you know, a really intelligent piece of design. I did find the, the final gang. Um, I, I ended up with the Chinese gang as the third gang I went for. Everybody um, does, that guy in yeah. the high tower. Because he's so yeah. hard to get to without he, pretty much maxing he, out your power. He is, but I, I I thought that actually some of the um, some of the the level design in that third section of the city was a bit was a bit boring yeah. compared to compared to the other two. It was almost kind of like oh, they they'd done two and then they thought oh, we really need a third one in and they kind of did it by the numbers. Yep. Um, so so by that point, you know, it, it was it was starting to become a bit repetitive, but still a fantastic game. And I was very excited. You know, I just finished it, and then I hear that the sequel is coming out. Like within two weeks, I thought this is fantastic. I might be able to go straight onto it. Played the demo, and must admit, I wasn't particularly thrilled. The problem is, I think with Crackdown Two, and I'm playing it right now. Um, it's not an every night game for me. It's maybe once a week right now, yeah. and because of another game. But we'll get into that in a second. And that's mostly because it's pretty much the same thing as the other game, except there's no big gangs that you have to fight. There's yeah. no clear cut there's these three gangs and they're all badasses and you need to clean up the city that's not what this game's about this game is about you have to get to different parts of the city and set up some beacon thing 
so the other agents could take part of that city in control. At nighttime, the population turns into zombies, and you could just blast them away. Uh, and there's a, some mysterious terrorist organization that's also shooting you or in, in control of these choke points. It, that part of it's really boring to me. Hmm. Um, yeah. And quite honestly, the only thing I'm doing is going around and getting my orbs. I'm almost maxed out on agility orbs already. So, so basically, it's the same game with a new graphics engine. No, it doesn't have a new graphics engine. That's what a lot of people are saying, that it, it pretty much looks like the same crackdown from 2006. And I agree. But yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, no, but, but the whole point is if, if, if the gameplay is the same and you haven't got a, a new story that engages you, then kind of what's, what's, what's there for you? Nothing, well, but, really. but you can also say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if you really enjoyed Crackdown, here's a whole plethora of things to do 10 years later when the city's half destroyed. You see this, it's the same city, yeah, but see, a lot of things that. have changed. Um, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This time you can get helicopters and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's more of the same. Now, is that necessarily a bad thing? I mean, if you go to a James Bond movie, you know what you're going to get. You know, if if yeah. all of a sudden George or James Bond got great big, huge, hairy feet and he's going for the one ring, <laughs> that would be odd. <laughs> you know, he's like, well, but, I but didn't see that like, coming. Man, okay, I'll admit, I've only played the demo. I've not played the full game. But, but when I got the demo, I thought, well, let's – Take the things that I didn't like about the first game and see if they've improved them. Because no. that's what I'm looking for. Yep, and then they I, didn't. So I, I immediately go and get in a vehicle, and it's still just the same. It's yep. still impossible to drive it. And I'm thinking there is nothing new here. No. Uh, and and when the, if the story doesn't get you as well, no, the story blows so far. Then yep. the case for me is well, there's there's more of the same, but you want to see some kind of improvement, particularly of it. It's been three years. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, David, you just got done saying how much you enjoyed the first one. Yeah. So why wouldn't you enjoy this one? You overlooked the flaws in the first game. I overlooked the flaws in the first game because I enjoy, I was enjoying the story. I enjoyed what I had to do. Uh, immediately from the demo, I've kind of seen, well, what you have to do in this one is dumb. You know, it's, yeah. it's basically it's capture the flag. Yeah, it kind of is. I would agree with that. Um, by the same token, I played so many other games since 2006 or 2007, whenever the first Crackdown came out. Yeah. Since then, that for me, it's kind of like visiting an old friend that I had a whole lot of fun with back in the day. Uh, and may- maybe that's the thing. Maybe what I need to do is now wait three years and play a whole lot of other games, and now I'll be ready to play Crackdown <laughs> Yeah, the $5 version of Crackdown <laughs> 2. Yeah. And I'll be playing Crackdown <clears throat> 3. <laughs> so, But no, it was, it was cool. Um, I, quite honestly, what's got my attention right now, and uh, shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, is Harry Potter's Year, through, year 1 through 4 Lego. We're playing the PS3 version. So it's Lego Harry Potter. Yep. Um, my wife's playing, my seven-year-old's playing, and I'm playing. And it's a lot of fun. It really is. And it doesn't change the formula at all. If you played any of the ba- Batman Lego, um, Star Wars, Star Lego. Wars Lego, Indiana Jones Lego, it's exactly like those games except it's Harry Potter universe. Um No different. I mean, you know, you don't have powers. You have magic. So mm-hmm. you, you collect things and unlock spells and go through missions and it's really fun though i'm having a really good time with the game and so is my wife and kids so yeah i mean that to me that's a ringing endorsement when the seven-year-old and the 40-year-old are both enjoying the same game they're doing something right Mm -hmm. you know yeah absolutely Uh, we 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 play them on the Wii, and i'll definitely be picking that one up um 
pick it up on the 360 this time. I think you'll like the graphics a little better than the Wii. The thing is, the three, yeah, the 360 is not normally in the living room. Ah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is at the moment, but that's only because there's only me here. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, the um, 360 doesn't normally live in the living room, so uh, we we tend to stick it with not stick with the Wii. Now, did you consider a Red Dead Red Dead Redemption? It's basically I, Grand Theft Auto, but it's the Old West. Yeah, but here's the thing. On my on my quest for old games, I picked up a copy of GTA 4, uh, and I played it for a bit. It was it was okay, but I, I just... That kind of game doesn't, doesn't appeal to massively you? appeal to me. And, you know, some of the things you've been talking about, about skinning rabbits and, yeah, uh, you know, all of that sort of thing, it just doesn't... I don't want to spend my time doing that. I, I would have said that <laughs> oh, exactly yeah, by the, the way, same. Thanks for the whole description, because that night... I had this dream that there was a mountain lion chasing me. <laughs> it's amazing that, you know, I wouldn't have thought I would have liked the game either because I, I read a couple of accounts of it and I thought, I don't want to skin animals and stuff or fighting cougars. You know, I want something sci-fi and fun and exciting right. spaceships and blasters and rockets. And I, I don't want to ride around on a horse with a big shotgun shooting squirrels. That's stupid. And then I played it. Yeah. And within an hour, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. The story is just first rate. It's it's probably one of the best stories of a video game that I've played in a long time. But just the gaming mechanics is just fantastic. I mean, the fact that some guy stole my horse, I whistle for my horse to come back. He bucks the guy off and comes back to me. Just that joy of like, ah, <laughs> you know, there's just nothing like it. Having the cougar attack you when you think that you're just out there by yourself and you hear that row and you're like, ah, it's a cougar. <laughs> you know, it's not like, ah, it's an alien or a predator or, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm a, a criminal and it's a cop coming. It's a cougar. You know what a cougar is. You know what it's going to do to you. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to scan around real fast to find it and shoot it before it gets you. It's true survival. Um, it, but the game really encourages you to be good. If you start just killing all kinds of people, your honor goes down. And instead of having a wanted level and stuff like that, which happens, when you see your honor thing go down, that kind of affects you as a player because honor is personal. Right. What's honor f- yeah. for you, honorable for me. So it really does encourage you to do more honorable things in the game. And that's combine that with first-rate graphics, a great storyline, fun ga- gameplay. It's kind of hard to go wrong. And it was on the, the top of the U.K. charts for like a whole month, which is unheard yeah. of. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, yep. you guys really seem to like your Westerns over <clears throat> there. <laughs> it's very popular. Um, you asked a question, David, in your uh, suggestions for what we talk about tonight. Are video games jumping the shark? What do you mean? Yeah. Well, it kind of, this kind of follows on from what I was saying about crackdown and some of the some of the stuff that's going on in the industry at the moment. The last twelve months, there's been several hit games released, and uh, the next piece of news you hear after the game's been released is the studio that made it has been disbanded. Yes, but yeah. uh, a lot of times, what happens is they make a game and it takes three years to make, and it costs twenty million dollars. And once the game's actually released, what do you do with all these people sitting there? Well, you put them on the next game if they're any good. If they have a hit in their hands, then you should be. They should be doing the next game. Doesn't but always work this, out that way, though. Well, this is the difficulty I have with with the game with the way games are now being published. Is that it's turned into the movie industry, where um, you're only as good as your last hit, you're only as good as your last release, 
Um, and the suits basically are making all sorts of decisions for all sorts of reasons that have often have very little to do with the quality of your output, but to do with all sorts of other things. And yet, and right me, now, the video games are better <clears throat> than they've ever been. There's some huge, massive titles coming up that everyone's looking forward to. And at the same time, all that's happening, we have the gaming on the iOS platform, which is exploding, and everyone's playing those games. Yeah, and I'm not talking about the iOS platform. In, but they do in, all kind of go together, because a lot of these people that are getting let go, even if it's temporarily for the next year until they gear up for the release of the next game, or... You know, they they don't have the budget. They got to let the current game they just released start bringing in them some revenue before they can ramp up for the next one to find out did that game make us money? Did we lose money? What are we going to do next? We don't know until this game's been out on the market for a couple weeks or at least a couple months. What are those developers doing? A lot of them are going to the iOS platform, so they do tie together in that regard. They do, but the the point is that that is. That's a that's like kind of like a a film maker like Steven Spielberg finding his out on work and going back to shooting home movies. Yeah, he may mo- make the most fantastic home movies you've ever seen, but it's still going to be a home movie when a guy with that sort of talent should be making a fifty million dollar epic. But the problem that's- with that analogy is he's making that fifty million dollar epic, but as an employee of a bigger developer, he ain't getting that money. Whereas he'd be lucky to clear a couple hundred thousand a year. Tops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the I, iOS platform, he puts that to use. He could become a millionaire. He could become a millionaire, and you know what? I wouldn't want to deny anybody the opportunity to do that. The difficulty I have with that is that if all the developers end up taking that route, then there will be no decent games on the big platforms. Yeah, the there's Xbox. always new ones coming up about. There, uh, there's you know always what's, new developers. We're, we're starting to see it happen now, and this is what, what where it came from. My question: and Crackdown Two is a great example. Right, the original team that made that that game don't exist anymore. It's been handed to a new studio who's basically polished the game up, um, stuck a new idea on it, and and issued it out. And there you go. There's there's not a, an opportunity to take it forward, uh, to to innovate, to actually build on what was done before. Uh, and and basically, if if the industry continues to go like that, all we'll get is sequel, sequel, sequel of the previous big hits, and the chance for new innovative gameplay will only come along every once in a while and even when then when it does the team that made the innovative game had the big hit will get one more shot at it and then they'll get disbanded if they don't if they don't have another hit so look at what's happened with look at what's happened with the call of duty games right the call of duty games have got better and better i've played all of them they've got better and better and better and they've reached their pinnacle with call of duty uh, modern warfare 2 What's happened now? The suits in the studio have had a falling out with them, and they've fired half the team. And they've handed the games over to uh, another set of developers, who probably won't do... They'll do a decent job, but it won't be an innovative new job. They won't be adding new things in. They'll be saying, let's take the formula that's been done before and do that again and again and again, because otherwise we might lose our jobs. Now, see, I've played all the Call of Duty games as well. And I have to say, David, to be honest, the the very best one that I ever played was the first one I ever played. Didn't have the best graphics, didn't even have the best gameplay or weapon control, but it was a unique, different experience. Riding in that boat towards the shore in Normandy was amazing. Yeah. With yeah. the boat is rocking and the controller's buzzing in my hand and, and things are exploding and I hit the beach and there's bullets everywhere and bodies and it's just so intense. I've never experienced that again. And a lot of video game developers have tried it, but I've never. Do, you can only experience that for the first time one time. Thus, yeah. it's the first time. But the first time you fire up Modern Warfare 
and you find yourself in an SAS team infiltrating a boat and then it all goes to hell and you have to get off that boat again a similar sort of experience first time I played that I just could not believe it yeah it was amazing how it is and and you know I'm playing through the game now I was just playing it again the other night the the way it really makes you feel what it must be like to be in the middle of a crazy firefight with terrorists firing at you all over the place not really being sure um, you know what's around the next corner not being really sure um, what's going on but all you know is that you and your guys around you and you're just going to push through until you until you get to the the mission objective to, to me that is to be able to capture that is amazing in a, in a game is amazing and, and, and I think that Infinity Ward have a real talent for doing that they understand how to bring that to a game and what and what's been their reward for that this this Activision as a studio has the the world's biggest cash cow in in that type of game and they've fallen out with them and have fired half of them yep but you know, like, and, and I'm looking I'm, talk, I'm, I'm thinking about talking about um, killing the golden goose well but we only know what we're being told we don't know the whole story we don't also know is it really the talented people that were let go or is it just um, the guy who's applying well, all the, the different the, the guys the guys who've left are, are the guys at the top and the guys who who run who ran that team and got them to produce those games all right so if they were so successful you don't expect them to be successful elsewhere creating a new breed of game because call of duty series has been around now for 12 years well i, I think part of david's argument is that the industry itself has become more risk averse just like hollywood has absolutely yeah absolutely. and i agree with that but yeah. by the same token it's always been that way you go back to the early atari days when a bunch of guys left atari because they weren't getting the royalties that they figured or the credit for the games that they <laughs> figured they were deserved they went and started their own company called it activision and released a game called pitfall yeah, and it blew everybody away. Yeah, but the point is, this is the same company we're talking about. But this here was then too. Years, here they are, twenty-five year late, years yep. later, making that same mistake to Why? another. No, 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 no. That's not a mistake, though, because as a gamer, as us, that was the best thing that could have happened when they left Atari. Because up to that point, all the Atari twenty-six hundred games were pretty much crap. Activision came out and took it to another level. And their games, every game they released was so much better than what Atari was releasing internally. And I, it I helped the entire yeah. video game industry. I would suggest that, that in the long term you get better quality results yep. by by building and maintaining a quality group of people than constantly having a cutter thrust of forcing people out, making them go and start, start again and again. Because starting from scratch is hard. Yeah, every time you do that, you're going to get some people who are going to fall away saying, you know what, I can't hack doing this anymore. I'm going to go and do another job where I can feed my family more steadily. But there's always Mm -hmm. a steady stream of people who grew up with gaming that's just graduated from college. They're brilliant in their own mind, and their own right, I should say, and they need their start somewhere. Yeah. And they're going to bring something new to the table. I understand what you're saying, David. I just think it's a little bit more pessimistic than I look at it. I look at it as... As far as video games are concerned, on every level, we have right now the best that's ever been. We have the best console games that's ever been. They're just simply fantastic. We have the best portable games that we've ever had with the iOS devices, with the PSP, with the DS. We have online games which are completely free, which would have blown anything out of the water 10 years ago. And these are free online now that we can play. You look at stuff like 
World of Warcraft and the upcoming StarCraft series, mm-hmm. which are going to be huge PC sellers. And then you got the casual crap that my wife likes <clears> to play, like Farmville. And there's millions of people playing that. Yep. So right now, I think video games are more healthy than they've ever been. Um, that, that, you're absolutely right. Yep. What worries me about that is that the money men involved in the industry now will constantly be pushing. It's always been that way, though. Yeah, no, but it's it's getting worse. No, it's what, only getting worse because you're more aware of it because of the internet and following the websites. I, I, no, I don't, I don't believe that. I, I believe I believe that the cost of gaming, the cost of developing gaming now, has gotten to the point that it, it is starting to adopt the studio model, and it just frustrates me that. But those are the only AAA t- title, David. Yeah, but but for every single decent game we get, we have to put up with five sequels, three cash ins. Uh, you know, two um, two derivatives of ideas, ideas cribbed from another studio, and we've got to wade through all this rubbish to get to the quality. It frustrates me because I, I I think it shouldn't have to be like that, and we shouldn't be. They should not be wasting. How much how much better would the game industry be and the movie industry be if they spent less time wasting money on the cash ins and the derivatives and spent more time nurturing the talent and making every title the AAA title, making every title better than it could be. Well, that's probably unrealistic. Uh, hold on one second, David. Sorry about that technical glitch. We're back, David. Yeah. Um, and the and the other thing about about my point is that when you when you have the money men kind of calling the shots, the suits calling the shots, is you also get some of this uh, these rubbish business processes and business ideas coming along, where all of a sudden they want to stifle the second hand game market that I love so much. Yep. So they're they're starting to say, okay, we're going to put codes in the game so the game's time out. Uh, after two years, or uh, or twelve months, or in fact, you can only get part of the game if you buy it in the store. You actually have to pay a regular subscription to to get the full experience. If you don't buy the downloadable content, then the game starts to turn itself off. And all of these things, which are there to basically protect what they see there as as their investment, so they're robbing us blind on both sides. Then because they're they're preventing us from playing the games in the way we played them in the past, and at the same time, they're stifling the innovation in the team. Absolutely. Let's kill them. Uh, <laughs> We're going to make a video game about that. Yeah. <laughs> kill the suits. I hate to break it to you, David, but any industry that goes over, say, $5 million a year is run by suits. It's not run by the creative people. Um, the creative people get stifled, and they move on to the next great thing that they want to do. Um, having followed the video game industry for a long time, there's a, there's, I'm going to have to find the book and send you a link to it. And you could probably pick it up for 99 cents at this point on eBay. But it's The History of Video Games uh, by Stephen Kent, I think is his name. And you get to see the politics and everything that happened in the video game industry from the very beginning up until, I would say, right before Grand Theft Auto came out, the very first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything you're saying, David, was being said 10, 15, 20, and 25 years ago. And yet, somehow, the games now are better. They're actually not as expensive as they used to be, um, if you count inflation and all that. Right. Um, we have them on more platform. We And as users, as game players ourselves, we have much better choice than we've ever had before. So, I mean, I understand your concern, but I just don't see it happening. I really don't. I hope you're, I hope you're right. Me too. Really do. Because I love video games. I love playing them. But, you know... I want new, exciting, different. I don't want to play Crackdown 3, 4, 5, and 6, and it's exactly like the first one. But by the same token, 
Sometimes I do. I'm really enjoying Harry Potter, and it's no different than Star Wars Lego. <laughs> you know, it's it's this basically <laughs> the, the same play. game. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. And I hope I'm right, and I hope David's wrong. David, you Me saw too. a movie called Inception. <clears throat> I haven't even – I don't think I've even seen a – Oh no! Is I'm, this the one where he goes into dreams? This or is something? yes. This yeah. This is this is uh, basically of the success of the Dark Knight. This is Christopher Nolan's blank check. Yeah. Um, and the studio basically said you can do whatever you want, and this was a thing he's been working on for ten years. And uh, I have to say, it was pretty incredible. Really? Yeah. I, this was. This was like I'm not going to. No, you say, I yeah. haven't, but I know one of the guys that worked it, and he said, I have to go back and see it again. He said, because there's so much that I feel like I missed in the first part of the movie. This movie is like The Matrix. In, in terms of, in my opinion, in terms of its impact in, in kind of a, as, a, as a sci-fi movie, it's, it's, like, it's like The Matrix. It has the same kind of um, approach to, to the world. You know, it's about it's about about what happens if you put your characters into a fantasy world. But whereas the the Matrix was a a chase movie in a fantasy world, this mm-hmm. is a heist movie in a fantasy world. But it's done so so well hmm. uh, with a absolutely top notch cast who aren't always it doesn't necessarily always make the best use of the cast he has. But every single performance in it is it as outstanding. Well, now, now I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you that it really was. You, you, the first five minutes, you, you kind of go, "What the hell's going on here?" I can't, you know, I can't figure out. And then the way it's actually put together, and before you know it, you're in a, a heist movie. That, but the heist is a dream, and and it's just incredible. It really is. I definitely want to see that. And. Yeah. I still haven't seen Toy Story three, which is kind of and sad. neither have I. No, I neither have I. <laughs> and, but I'm looking at the movies that are coming out, and it's just it looks all crap to me. It's been. I don't think it's been that great summer. To no, be honest, I don't think so either. No. I, I saw I, you know, Iron Man have... two, yeah, and so while I enjoyed it, it wasn't as good as the first one. Well, and I saw the the final Shrek movie, and yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. But I would have been just happy to watch that at home rather yeah. than a movie theater. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's some really interesting stuff coming up that I'm seeing pictures from Thor, and it looks kind of cautiously interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain America. Yeah. I got a feeling pe- Captain America is going to be pretty good if they do it right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I, again, I'm, I'm starting to worry now. All these comic book movies, it, it's starting to, to – I'm starting to worry that, that the money's moving in there and we're going to get more and more Spider-Man 3s and, and, and much I less think, of Iron Man 1. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably true. But these things run in cycles, and that's just the way it always has been. Um, for a while, Westerns were the big thing until eventually eh, it yeah. kind of petered out. Yeah. The Buddy Cop movie was kind of the big thing. In the 80s, yeah. In the 80s, and they tried to bring it back a little bit in the 90s. didn't really work. Uh, I just watched Cop Out, directed by Kevin Smith, uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Willis, and Tracy Morgan. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Just a big stink pot. And Well, I started watching Alien again. That was what I did this weekend. Really? And still enjoyed oh, yeah. it. Scares it the crap out of you. And it, and it holds up very well. well. You know, they didn't even show the yeah. alien through the half of the film. Yeah. You don't even see yeah, it. You, because cause the, the guy in the suit wasn't actually... He, I mean, it was very carefully lit because they yeah. knew that if they showed too much of it, it would give the game away that it wasn't. That it was a guy in a suit. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that was the masterpiece of it is the fact that what you don't see 
is far more scary than what you do see. I think that's always true. If you look at the first Jaws, I mean, Jaws 2 was shark, 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 right? right? Jaws 1, you hardly ever saw the shark. It was the implied presence of the shark that was scary, mm-hmm. you know, that you see the woman thrashing around in the water and then <laughs> goes under. That was the scary part. You see a severed limb mm-hmm. on a beach. You didn't see the shark do it, but that's scary. Right. You know, uh, a lot of that was because the shark wasn't working, so they had to shoot around the fact that they couldn't show <laughs> the shark. But I actually, I think that works. And Aliens was, Alien was exactly the same way. Yeah. You can only do it once that way, though. You can't have aliens and then not show the aliens because everyone saw the alien in the first movie. Right. But that was the great. I mean, that was the great thing about Aliens, the sequel, was that it, as a completely different movie, you said, okay, well, the last one was about the, the horror of one of these things, Unstoppable. This this one is about the horror of you know you've got this group of badasses and they can't stop hundreds of these things. Yeah. You know, it was it, it was completely different feel, but it was still. I mean, what, I mean obviously, Aliens is not a, a horror movie; it's an action movie. But, yeah, um, and the first one but, was a horror movie. Yeah, but the smart thing was to take it in a different direction rather than try and. Well, do it the was same thing. it was smart and with twenty twenty hindsight, but they do that in movies all the time. They take it in a different direction. Everyone goes, "Oh, what the hell?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because well, and I think there was a substantial. Uh, Gap between the two. I mean, Alien was what seventy nine, yeah. and Aliens yeah. was eighty four, eighty five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we we all had seen Alien enough times where it really wasn't that scary anymore. We, we yeah. it was an alien. We understood. We knew that Ridley was it Ridley Ripley was, name? Ripley was gonna win at the end. You know, mm-hmm. we knew the guy with the white android blood is gonna burble out language at us. The thing's gonna yeah. pop out of the one guy's chest and skitter across the floor. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna go, "What the hell was that?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been my second reaction after I cleaned my underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't do all that again. So what do you do with the second one? I think you're right, David. It was a good idea. But it was also a very risky mm-hmm. idea. We're going to completely change it. It's not going to be scary this time. It's going to be an action movie. Eh? You know? Mm-hmm. Risky. It would be like if they came out with Terminator 5 now and it's a myst- murder mystery. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like really, it's it's a romantic comedy. Me and Termi, you know, <laughs> murder she programmed. <laughs> but the other one I think it really has held up well, in my opinion, is also Blade Runner. And those are both uh, those are both really Scott films, aren't they? Yes, I, yeah. I never got yeah. into Blade Runner. Oh, I, really? I own it, but I I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. And I'm not I'm not like a total fan like fanboy of it. Like I am. So much with Star Wars. Yeah. I'm a little more of a fanboy of that. But it still is a movie that holds up very well. It's a good story. Hmm. What do you think, David? Yeah. No, I, I'd agree with that. I, I I know what you're saying, Tim. I know there are some guys who are so into it and the nuances of, of you know, what exactly some of the sim- symbolism mean meant mm-hmm. and, you know, whether whether Deckard was a, a replicant or whether he was a human and kind of all this sort of thing. And then there's this debate about whether, what Ridley Scott actually thought and, and the director's cuts and the way it was presented and all of that. I know there's a lot of mythology around the movie um, that some people are really, really new to. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit like you. I thought it was a good movie. I thought of I all those cut- questions briefly, but then I thought, I don't really care. Yeah, well, it wasn't I'm kind of like that as well. It was like it was a good story, and it was a it was a very a very well crafted movie. And yep. I agree with you, Chad. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that I haven't seen it for a couple of years, but it does hold up very well, especially considering when it was made. Yep. As a vision of the future, um, 
it's an incredible piece of work uh and much much like i enjoyed inception in that uh, inception does not um play down to the audience and dumb down the story in the assumption that they won't get it otherwise it actually keeps to keeps its ideals and inception does the same thing mm-hmm. um you know um blade runner certainly did that but i ne- i never got into got got so passionate about it like i know some of the some of the fanboys do so i i know i know kind of how you feel tim yeah i you know i i keep feeling like every time i see that it's on i'll watch a little part of it and go eh, and i'll turn the channel but every time i see that it's on i think i should like this movie more i should this is blade runner i mean just the name itself sounds cool Mm -hmm. it's got han solo and indiana jones in it at his prime it's really scott directed this should I, this should just blow me away. I should be excited just to even see that it's on. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things that I, I – it's not that I haven't given it a fair shake. I own the movie. Right. But, meh. M-E-H. Meh. Meh. <laughs> 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 eh. I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't stroke my egoism or my uh, geekyism. I'm going to – I'm well, it sounds like we're going to have that. to have an Inception discussion after we've both seen it. So, yeah, but I probably won't see until after it comes out in the, the in, at home. Really? So, well, it's going to be really hard to justify my wife going to see another movie without taking my youngest yeah. daughter to see Toy Story three. Right. Which, to be quite honest, I really want to see Toy Story three mm-hmm. myself. I heard it's fantastic, but it's just one of those things. I, if you can't. Uh, Find the time. Well, I'm I'm signing my house. Yeah. So that's just taking a lot of my time right well, now. Well, speaking of jump the shark tank, as long as we're talking about movies, whatever happened with M Night Shyamalan? Why do they even put his name? A film by M Night Shyamalan. I'm sorry, we're not retards. We've seen his last three movies. They were well, all and my garbage. My cousin just came back from Airbender, and he said, "Don't even waste your money." He said, "It is terrible." Isn't it time that they stop inter- or treating him like he's? It's it's like someone told him, "You're going to be the next." popular director like George Lucas or you're, you're going to have a blank check to do whatever you want like Steven Spielberg but he doesn't have the talent to back it up uh, yeah I think I think he's a guy who um, you know made a couple of excellent movies two and, yeah two yeah. Uh, the sixth uh, sense the, yeah. the sixth sense and unbreakable and that was it mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's been downhill ever since but, but, I, I definitely but agree there's still one trick pony movies yeah. This is a superhero uh, who doesn't know he's a superhero, and this is a kid who can see dead people, and, and the main and, star on this show is, you know, right. yeah, that, and, it's and a one-trick pony. And, and also he traded on the fact, you know, this thing about having the twist, yeah. Yeah. which again is not, is, not a, is not a well you can go to time and time again. No, the um, one with the I agree with you. I, yeah. I think his level of talent is, is way beyond – it's way beyond the hype at the moment, put it this way. Yeah. But obviously, the studios feel that putting his name on on the movie will um, will bring some people in. I don't think that that stands up anymore, particularly nope. after. And I've not seen Airbender yet, but um, I, I I agree. I've heard very very bad things about so it. So I and I'm like oh, I don't I don't want to see it. I watched and it. And I thought, what is it? It's I like the cartoon. I thought it. What is this? Like a combination of the Matrix and. What is that white tiger movie? Do you remember the oh, one? Oh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Crouch- Dragon? Yeah, it looked like that mixed with The Matrix. In- but did you see the original yeah. cartoon series? No. My, no, I did not. No. I've seen no. little snippets of it. My cousin was a huge fan of the cartoon series. And that's the cartoon what- was, was excellent. It was really, really good because they kind of took a, a, a manga idea and a kind of fancy mythology world. And they kind of mixed it all together and presented it in a fairly new way. But the thing about the cartoon is the cartoon had a lot of fun in it. 
<laughs> everything mm. I've heard about this movie says there is no fun there at all. Yeah, and that's you know, where like, they they need to stop putting his name up on the marquee because it's not selling. In fact, if yeah. anything, to me, when I see his name on it, I'm like, eh, I don't want to go see that. Yeah. Because he's got the, it, there's a twist at the end that you'll never see coming. Great. So I'm going to sit there through the whole freaking movie going, wonder what the twist is going to be. Hmm. Like, is that yeah, the I mean, twist? I, no, that's not it. I, I was I was, I was, was in the same way. I, I, I didn't see The Sixth Sense first time around. Um, so I, you I know, saw, I saw it, it on I DVD. I saw it later on. And, so and, did I. Same you know, I, I, I managed to avoid the twist, so it, I still got something out of the movie. You know, and it, and it was, a, it was, you know, a good movie. Unbreakable, I thought was fantastic. That was really, good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. But is, was it good because it's Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson? Well, that that was part of it, but I, I thought as a as a, well, you could you could argue the same thing for the Sixth Sense, though, because Bruce Willis was also in that, and he did a great job with his role. Yeah, but but I I think <clears throat> I think Unbreakable did have. A very good understanding of comic books and how comic books constructed, and the way they presented that film, I thought was was really good. It was a great film, yep. um, you know, and it did have it did have the twist ending, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But know, here's the thing: kind of, Unbreakable was not a huge success no, because he said it was going to be a, a, the first of a trilogy, and yeah. because it didn't do so well, they didn't let him do the whole trilogy. Now it seems like it's. Well, you know, we're going to keep putting your name up there because uh, we think that you're worth more than, what, your movies? That That's what the big selling point is, your name? Well, if his name is the big selling point, let him go back and finish the trilogy then. Yeah. If everyone I, I agrees mean, that, that was his best movie other than The Sixth Sense, it's kind of hard to do a sequel to The Sixth Sense. Will you stop playing with the cord? Shut up. <laughs> everybody, um, I mean, everybody still says that Signs was a great movie, but I thought it was terrible. I thought it was terrible, Absolutely too. terrible. Uh, no. No, no. it's horrible. No, and then the clearing was, yeah. Swing away. Stupid. I know. Stupid. And then the whole village with Ron oh, Howard's The village is the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, that's just wretched. It, the Half the movie is her wandering around blindly in the woods. Mm-hmm. Who cares? And then the one with Mark Wahlberg, and he's... Ugh. Oh, I never saw that one. I, I watched about, about three quarters of it before I was finally like, you know what? This is stupid. Why am I wasting my time? I could go have a good bowel movement instead of this. <laughs> Lady in the Water, I didn't even get it. <laughs> no, uh, it's just, oh, anyways. Yeah. So talking about TV, uh, I know you've got one that you want to talk about, David, but let me start off. I am. I came into the slay, late. Um, the third season just wrapped up, which is kind of good for me because I'm in the third season now and I've watched the mm-hmm. first two. It's a movie on the AMC channel, which I never watch at home, although – Everyone knows Mad Men now mm-hmm. and how good that is, which yeah, it's okay. I haven't really got into it that strongly. I watched like three episodes and I was like, oh. I don't get it. Um, but then again, I worked with a lot of ad agencies before. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, but it's this television show. The premise is very simple. This high school uh, chemist teacher finds out he has cancer. And... He doesn't want to leave his family with nothing. So the movie is, or the, I keep series, saying movie, the called, series called Breaking Bad. Yeah. And it's the father from Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Or no, not that one. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Remember that father yeah. in that? He's in it. It's not a comedy at all. It's mm. very freaking dark. But I got to say, this is one of the best television programs I've watched in years. I mean, it's to me, it's right up there with The Shield and The Sopranos. It's that mm-hmm. good. And uh, 
if you get an opportunity to watch it, just watch the first season and, and or even the first three episodes mm-hmm. and decide for yourself, is this worth watching? And I think almost anybody listening to this is going to go, wow, that was fantastic. I mean, it, it was one of those that just grabbed me right at the beginning and never mm-hmm. let me go. And it's a slow boil. I mean, the first series takes place, the first season takes place in like a week or two. And the second season picks up right where it left off. So I'm halfway through the third season, and in real time for the characters, a year hasn't even gone by. And so it's a real slow build. Mm-hmm. But it's done so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. So he wants, a, he wants to leave his family with money. He becomes a meth cooker. cooker. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, wow, it's really fantastic. I can't say enough good things about it. Do you even – what do you think, David? Well, I mean, it, it It certainly sounds different. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the idea of the fact that presumably because cause he has terminal cancer that they've really compressed the timeline of the show. I think that's that's a that's a good idea. It sounds interesting. I'll, I'll definitely have to check it out. I, I can't say more than that because I don't want to ruin any plot point at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's. I want to say it's very realistic. Not that I've ever cooked math or anything, um, or been associated with people who do math. Mm-hmm. But it, you figure who usually cooks math? Meth users themselves right. and degenerates, and they hole up in abandoned buildings and hotel rooms and yeah. cooks it and accidentally blows up buildings all the time, and mm-hmm. or ODs and you know. Well, this is a teacher who a chemistry teacher, right? Who really knows his stuff. So he's going to have a level of professionalism that the average meth cooker is not going to mm-hmm. have. So what he makes is not going to be quite the same as what the average meth user right. is going to make. Um, it's it's a really good idea. And I'm glad have, someone's I, doing it. I do have a personal interest in this because actually, when I was at university, I did a chemistry degree. Oh, really? When I, was at, I thought yeah, he was when I was, see was a method. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at university, um, they did call the police in because one of the lab technicians was found to be stealing um, the, some of the chemistry gear, and he had it all racked up on his wall, and he was cooking meth in yep. his garage. You, you get? I don't know if you. I don't know what the restrictions are in iTunes for the UK users or not, but if you can get. Breaking Bad, at least the first season to watch, do so. I'm sure there's, I don't know, this thing called Torrent. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. I was just about to say, that's, that's, you can't get it on iTunes. Honest, there's normally a way. Uh, I, I, I got season three in iTunes. I paid for it. Right. I think it was like 35 bucks for season three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I uh, got the first two seasons other ways. <laughs> okay. That's all I'll say. Um, I, I It's fantastic. It really is. I'm kind of bummed out that the season three just ended, so I'm going to end not soon after season three. So I have to wait like everyone else for season yeah. four. But uh, I guess it's up for Emmys and all kinds of stuff. It's mm. it's starting to finally really get popular, and I can understand why because it's just really good. So what's the one you were going to talk about before we wrap up here today, uh-huh. David? This this was an interesting discussion, and I'd heard I'd vaguely heard of the show, but I'd never actually seen it. And they started repeating it on UK TV a few weeks ago, and uh, I I watched the first episode. I was absolutely hooked. It's called Misfits. Um, this is a BAFTA. This won a BAFTA, um, which is our version of the Academy Awards yep. uh, mm-hmm. for TV. Uh, and the premise is is it basically it's like heroes heroes crossed with. Um, I, I don't know, cross with uh, My Name is Earl or something like that. It has okay. these, these 
these kids who are basically on community service and uh, for all for different reasons there's a there's a guy who's who was a, a sparring athlete but got got found with possession of drugs there's you know there's a there's there's the the geek who's a who's a arsonist you know in the sounds the, like the uh, breakfast club yeah it's it's very similar yeah it is kind of like a bit because they kind of have this dynamic because they're all working together and the but the premise is that they got the uh, city they're in gets hit by this storm they all get struck by lightning uh, in one go and they all get different superpowers but rather than the conventional thing of turning them into heroes or a team or anything like that they're just basically continuing to be the people they are while also trying to cope with their crappy lives and the fact they now have these superpowers to deal with uh, and then what happens through the series is they start encountering other people who've, who've also been affected negatively by this storm um, and and it's, it's, it's very it's a very British humour to it it's very tongue in cheek um, it's quite rude. It's quite sharp. It's quite edgy. It's extremely funny. Some of the performances in it are excellent, um, and it's a really interesting twist on the whole kind of hero superhero type genre. I, I really highly recommend it. It's very very good. Have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. sounds interesting. Well, that's been uh, episode number thirty five of the geekiest show ever. I think we got our our uh, geekiest quota in there, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. David, anytime you want to be on the show that you have the opportunity to let us know, every two weeks we record it, Chad and I here in the studio. Uh, love to have you. Any chance you can get, man. Yep. I will I will definitely seek an opportunity. Uh, I don't know. We're going to do another show a week from today because we're actually a week off from when we're yep. going to. So we'll be back next week, and then we'll get back to our regular schedule every two weeks. Uh, any ideas what we're going to talk about? No idea? No clue. No, me neither. Maybe I'll uh, go watch a movie between now and then and yeah pro- probably not no. well frankly per- percy jackson well. and the olympian god thing no actually i did watch that you did yeah it's horrible i i watched that recently the first one it was horrible face. yeah it was horrible there was parts of it that were kind of cute but overall it's like i went down with harry Potter. it's, it's horrible <laughs> it did ha- well yeah it did have a whole um harry potter like feel to it didn't it yeah you think uh, I, I like Harry Potter a lot. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I want to be like Harry Potter and, and my dad and... Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> you know. Yeah, didn't like it. And now Uma Thurman is Medusa. Give me a freaking break. Give me a break. <laughs> yes. Ugh. At least they chopped her head off. Yeah, I could think of... No, that's about right for Uma Thurman. <laughs> All right, I'm, we're out of here. See you guys later. See ya. Yeah.